Welcome to the Big Heart Business Show. My name is Carrie Shepard, business strategist, philanthropist, and believer. I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs be more, do more, and give more beyond their business, and to do it with more heart and less hustle. Each week on the show, I'll be here with a message or interview from a powerhouse entrepreneur that has built their business by giving back. Together, we will inspire you, fuel you, and get you going with simple action steps and strategies to grow your purpose-driven business. Our philosophy here is that we can change the world one big heart business at a time. Let's get started. This is episode number 13 of the Big Heart Business Show. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Kate Boyd. Kate is a business coach and launch strategist who helps women building online businesses to launch their dreams with strategic action and high conversion rates so they can become more profitable more quickly. She combines a journalism degree, three years of online business experience, and five-plus years in nonprofit marketing to help others share, communicate, share and communicate their message and do business with heart, soul, and strategy to serve their audience while creating financial freedom for themselves. I love it, Kate. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I'm excited to have a fellow Texan on our show today. That's right. Texas yeah. forever, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. So I'd love for you just to kind of share with our audience a little bit of the behind the scenes of how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So three, about three years ago, I guess technically the whole journey started about four years ago. Um, I had just started working full time. I had at my previous job, I was, I started there part time and a job that sort of carried over from college was coaching cheerleading that I had done part time while I was working part-time at the organization that I used to work for. And as I then transitioned in a full-time role, it became really clear that it would be a bit of a challenge to continue to work full-time and part-time somewhere mm-hmm. else. Do Even though the cheerleading was really flexible and my boss was also very flexible, I actually did do both for a little bit. But for various reasons, I ended up stepping out of the part-time cheerleading coach role, but knew that there was still sort of a gap in this place where a lot of people were, um, a lot of new coaches were sort of being thrust into their roles without a lot of cheerleading experience or knowledge or any of that. And so it made me go, well, I'm, I have marketing skills. I have, you know, years of cheerleading knowledge and I've even taught other people cheerleading stuff because I was a camp instructor for a few years. Why not do a blog about it? So I started a blog to help cheerleading coaches, not just with the technique, but also with some of the leadership things. Um, or unique challenges that come with that kind of stuff. And a year later decided, you know what, I bet I could monetize this in some way. Um, so I launched, I asked them what they wanted and I launched my first product and officially turned that blog into a business awesome. that ran really well for three years. Um, I mean, and I'm in the process of selling that one right now, which is really exciting and weird, but <laughs> good. Um, and about a year ago, I really just felt a pull on my heart. I'm a person of faith and um, inside, you know, this online entrepreneurial space. I know that I was struggling with some mindset things at the time. I was coming through anxiety and depression and coming out the other side and just feeling a little frustrated that I didn't see a lot, if any, resources on um, mindset or strategy or things that aligned with what I believed 
for myself in my personal life, which was really mm-hmm. challenging and, and being in a more fragile mental state at that time, I didn't really have the mental energy to kind of figure out how what I heard actually lined up with what I believed. And eventually I did. Once I sort of came through that and was a little bit stronger, I um, had that and realized that that was something that was also missing and that could be filled and that people would um, love to have from that perspective. And so I became a business coach for um, primarily for faith driven women um, for then. And then recently actually just (laughs) completely transitioned out of that because as I was doing that and my clients were seeing results, what I was seeing in myself was that the chief, my chief goals and the way that I was serving best was by delivering on the strategy part. Mm-hmm. Though I act, I absolutely still consider myself a teacher in the faith. I do that at um, church um, as well, but feeling like um, the way that I could serve best was by actually coming in um, helping people more specifically with strategy or even doing some of it for them. Um, because sometimes there comes a point where, you know, you can teach people how to do things, but it still doesn't make it their zone of genius. And that doesn't always serve them super well. Um, or, and then sometimes it's frustrating or hard to, and then there's a point where sometimes it's hard to explain some of the nuances, um, depending on what it is. And so as I was just there, I was like, you know, what feels good is actually doing it. I love creating some of my my favorite days are when I get to sit down and write 10 emails for a launch or something or mm-hmm. make a plan. And so it really just led me to shift into more of a marketing and launch strategy role um, with a little bit of like coaching and um, through some intensives and things like that, but really shifting more into done with you, done for you services um, because it just felt like the best way that I could serve people in this place. That's awesome. And I really think it's interesting to hear the journey of, you know, even getting started in the um, cheerleading coaching is that you really took your zone of genius, put it out there to give value. And then I love, you know, how you said when you started the cheerleading blog that you asked your audience what it is that they wanted and really connecting in with them. And I see that same thing happened with going from coach to strategist is that you got to, again, show up in your zone of genius, ask your clients questions, get the work, and then figure it out. I tend to see quite a few people kind of get in this area of like uh, paralysis analysis, right? They don't, they want to have this perfect business model that, you know, is in complete alignment, which of course is the goal, but I see it as where we really have to get into action to get that clarity. Can you speak a little bit about that and, and maybe even share with us a bit? Cause I know that's been a big journey from you of moving from coach into this new role and, and maybe just share a little bit of what that looks like behind the scenes. And I, you know, done is better than perfect, but that you're really moving closer to your true purpose and alignment. Yeah. I totally agree that a lot of clarity comes from just doing stuff. I think it is really tempting. And this is, I'm a recovering perfectionist. Like everything I do, I want to be perfect. I hate making mistakes. I'm so type A and anal about everything. Um, But there does come a point when you just have to kind of accept that you're not always going to do that. And I am very much a person that lives in my head a lot of times. Um, but what I was noticing was then that I wasn't actually getting feedback on those things. I was just kind of trying to figure it out without actually testing. And some of that actually comes from like, maybe you thought this was going to be the thing and then you start into it and then you, it turns out you don't like it as much as you thought, or there's something weird about that that you hadn't quite figured out. And 
you don't get that kind of feedback internally or externally unless you actually start taking action. And I see a lot of people even just get stuck in, is this the right idea or is this the right service or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what is the five year plan? And frankly, I've stopped making five year plans because what I've seen in my whole life is that what I think is best. I often have those little shifts that take you off course from that, but they end up in a better place. And so what I'd rather do now is take action on the things that I know that I need to do right now or the shifts that I need to make right now or the step that I need to take right this minute. Like what's the one thing that I know that I need to do right now. And then the, the next step becomes clear and then the next step becomes clear. And I think a lot of times we also have fear around, um, if, and this was definitely true for me, like as I was shifting, I was like, what is my audience going to think? What's going to happen? Like, how do I communicate this? Will they be happy for me? Will they be frustrated? Will everyone disappear, um, you know, off my list? And I just had to sort of mentally prepare for that and go, you know what, though, if if they're the right people, they'll stick around. And if they need the stuff that I had anyway, they would stick around. And I just need to be confident um, that I'm taking the right step and be okay with the consequences of that because I know that this is what I need to do. But it, but it was scary and it, and it does take a little bit of like finesse to communicate well through that. Um, but I think what everyone will start to see is themselves evolve and moving with those evolutions. I think the most interesting people in any kind of business are the ones that grow and change and innovate things. Um, and if we waited for perfect clarity to do any of that, we wouldn't have a lot of the stuff that we have now. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's really just about, um, trusting yourself, trusting whatever you believe is guiding you and, um, you know, taking those little steps and then, and then from there you get more clarity and then you get more confidence. And that just becomes like a great cycle of like continuing to move forward because you're seeing the, the results of it. Yeah. And I think you bring up a good point, too. I mean, it's always more exciting to see somebody growing and changing and stepping more fully into their calling and what an example you're setting for other people. And I think especially with what you're doing now with helping people with launches and the strategy, I mean, you're showing them that it can look different. And I know one of the things that you believe in is that you can do a lot with a little. And um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. And what does that mean, especially for your clients as they're looking to launch and build out these new strategies? Maybe you can give some kind of inside tips on what will help people to have those successful launches and to truly step into what it is they're called to do. Yeah, I think we put a lot of there's a lot of pressure and comparison, I feel like. So the comparison then leads to pressure on ourselves to have a list of so many people have a group of such a size, have a certain kind of influence. And I think we lose track of who we are specifically sometimes in the place and what makes us different and why people follow us and like us and all of those things. And so I think sometimes we we think, oh, well, I can't launch this new thing um, until I've got a, you know, an audience of X size or I can't, um, until I fill up my one-on-one practice, I can't launch a lower end product because that'll just distract from it. And what I've actually seen um, is that a lot of that depends on you and a lot of that depends on your audience and what even you're putting out into the world. And so 
what I have seen is I had, I mean, in my coaching business, or I guess I can take this even back to my cheerleading business. I, when I first launched a product, I knew that they weren't going to do one-on-one stuff. That just wasn't going to be something they would do mm-hmm. for a price point because they were probably paying it out of their pocket rather than having schools reimbursed. Um, so they weren't going to do that. So I knew that I needed an accessible product based around something that they really cared about. So with a list of 150 people, I launched my first product, um, sold 12 of them and made my first thousand dollars like in a Mm. week, you know, and had I waited until I had a thousand people on my list or any of those things, I might have, you know, not actually, um, I feel like the line would always be moving. Like I would continue to build up in fear, some of those things, and maybe not actually take the steps to get the feedback from my audience to then present things to them. And even in my coaching business, what I was realizing was I was working with a lot of newer entrepreneurs and before they commit to seven, eight, nine thousand dollars, a hundred dollars, thousand dollars a month, they really needed um, to trust. And they also needed vehicles in order to get that money so that they could work with someone one on one. So launching lower priced products actually became a key part of my business model because I knew with them in such an early stage that they needed to be financially healthy and um, but also to give them real tools that would help them and also create a pipeline for myself, for my business, for sustainability. And so, you know, with, I think um, by the end, uh, by the time I launched my second product, or I guess it's technically my third product there, um, which was my membership site, I had about 400 people on my list mm-hmm. and I had sold two group programs, two or three group programs around 20 people each. Um, and several of those went on to be one-on-one clients or to work, you know, whether that was long-term or in intensives or anything like that. Um, and they also became amazing referrals for me and all these different things. So I think there is room to be creative and you can do a lot with a little, and I'd even say with that list, I filled up my one-on-one practice twice because by the end it was 600 people. And so you can do a lot with a little if you are engaged, you've got the right people there and that you're really delivering value and connecting with them um, empathetically and compassionately. I totally believe in like marketing with compassion, that conversions come best with compassion. Um, and so we have to spend time paying it forward with the heart and the strategy to help them get to where they need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we do that, they'll pay us back, you know. Yeah, you make such a great point, too, because I think so many people get caught up in the rules. Like you said, you have to have X amount of lists. And, you know, again, I think, you know, coming from a strategy kind of mindset as well is the numbers. We we do look at the numbers. Um, but I think, like you said, it's really being in touch with your tribe, with your community, understanding what their needs are, understanding what their desires are. And then going from there, I mean, it's you know, and I maybe you can talk a little bit about that because being, you know, type A and a strategist now or, you know, being a strategist, um, how do you have that balance of kind of like looking at, you know, percentages and, and knowing kind of what the, you know, the industry says about kind of you should have an X amount of list to get X amount of sales. How do you balance those two and kind of knowing what's right to launch? And again, is it a low end product? Is it a group program? Is it one-on-one or is it some sort of combination of multiple levels for people to be able to work with you? Yeah, I think, um, 
I think sometimes it's not so much the, that we shouldn't look at numbers, it's that we should look at the right numbers. I think a lot of people put emphasis on size when really it should be emphasis on engagement, um, you know, or the people who are like already raving fans of you. And maybe there's a lot of those on your list. I remember in cheerleading, I was having like a 50% open rate, which is really crazy because, you know, I was one of the only people giving them what they needed. And so had I, and at, by the time I was selling that, even now there's only 2,800 people on that list. Um, but over 300 people bought my products and services. So it's just a matter of like, how can we actually go, how can we look at the right numbers to drive us? So if we see that we have, you know, great conversion rates or great um, engagement, and yet we're not seeing some sales in that area for like the things that maybe we want to be selling at this high level price point, that might mean we need something that's a little bit lower barrier to entry. Um, Cause I was having free calls with people and they were, you know, oh, I can't wait till I can work with you and all these different things. So I was like, what am I doing that I'm like making people, A, why am I making people wait to work with me? Why can't I make another level? Um, just because I'm supposed to fill up my one-on-one before I do those other things. Why do that when my strengths are in a different area in the first place? Um, and then, you know, it would be beneficial to them and it would also help me build for the future. So I think we need to really focus on, again, the right kind of feedback and the right numbers. I think the other thing that really helped me was really being in touch with my tribe, asking a lot of questions and doing a lot of market research calls or free calls. Cause then I was really getting a sense of, okay, before they invest, they really want to land one, two or three clients, right? Well, which is understandable. You want to know mm-hmm. that you can make money before you pay a lot of money sometimes. So I was thinking, okay, what can I create that will help them land those clients, you know, from my unique perspective that leads into what they are really trying to accomplish, um, which will then give them that platform to then step into something else. Right. So um, and then and I think you'll start to see and you can even ask in these market research, like how much money are you willing to pay? Like or what are you looking for? in a product, what do you have time for right now? I think us looking really holistically at their lives and going, well, they don't have time to sit in a two hour masterclass once a week. That's just not going to happen for them. They need a 10 minute lesson and a couple of worksheets that they can work on. Um, and maybe it takes eight weeks instead of four, but at least we're fitting into their lifestyle. So I think it's again, figuring out who your audience is and what they're looking for and then finding a way to match your expertise, um, to, a product or a mid-level service or something that serves them, it's a little bit easier for them to get into and is really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, another example of this is my last month before actually making my switch over to doing more of like the done for you, done with you, I actually ran a special on some intensives that I had that I'd had forever, but I was like, nobody's buying these. I don't know what it is. And all I did was I didn't make it less money. I actually just split it into a payment plan and I sold six or seven of them just by churn- turning it into a payment plan. Um, and I was like, okay, so I didn't actually change anything. I'm making the same amount of money from this. I just gave them a lower barrier inter- entry to this, and it serves their needs. And so you can even get creative with other options. So it doesn't even have to be a lower price. Maybe it's just a different way for them to get into it um, so that they have that confidence um, to trust you with that and that you're actually serving their needs at the same time. 
Yeah. And I think that goes back to, you know, really wanting to serve and make a difference and being really generous. And I love that you bring up that there isn't just one way to run a business. And although we do hear a lot of coaches say, you know, start with one-on-one, because obviously that is going to be, you know, the highest, you know, level of income. But, you know, I think back to when I started and I wish that I would have started with or had also some products, would have had a membership site, would have had places for people to land, not just in my one-on-one coaching. And so that's definitely something looking back that I would have done differently um, because that's really made a big difference. Just like you said, people can come in, they buy a product or they join your membership site, they get to know you, you know, they spend a little bit of money, they, they, you know, you're able to help them make a difference and then they want more, you know, and they want more. And I love that idea to, you know, kind of meeting their needs in regards to being flexible with payment plans or, you know, different options like that. So what do you think holds people back from kind of thinking, you know, about more than just one way of bringing clients in and thinking about having products and membership sites and, you know, one-on-one ways to work with them? Um, I think part of it is just that industry norm. I mean, if I look at my journey in online business, it's been completely backwards. I went from digital products to one-on-one coaching and now done for you services. Like (laughs) it's the opposite of what normal people do. Right. And so, um, and I think the other thing is that it's about, I think there's also a lot of fear, like, and there's also a little bit of the strategic, you know, know how that they don't have. They don't know how to build a list to then sell a product. They don't know how to create a product that their people need, or they're not even doing research or getting in touch or networking with people who could be part of their audience. So they don't even know what to create or worse. They create the wrong thing. They spend a lot of time, a lot of money investing in that and then not actually being able to sell it because it was the wrong product. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's just a lot of, and there's a lot of fear because if you don't know how to sell or you've never sold anything online, you don't have a copywriting and marketing background. It's really intimidating. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a lot of that that holds people back. Um, but I would say probably the biggest thing is I encounter like two types of people, at least in my audience, I've seen there's like two types of people, the ones who want to do one-on-one because that's just what they love. They love coaching. They want to be in people's lives. And the other ones want to launch digital products, but haven't built an audience of any kind. Right. And so I'm like, we need to find the balance here because, um, I know a lot of people who spent a lot of time building courses only for them to flop because they didn't have an audience. Or it was the wrong thing because they didn't ask their audience first what they needed. Mm-hmm. So I'm really a big believer in building an audience for whatever type of business you need. You need to be marketing. You need to be visible. And you need to be creating a space, whether that's your email list, your Facebook group. Um, you know, maybe it's, it's both a space for people to come learn more from you, raise their hand to be a part of that. And then you can create those feedback loops for yourself to then really, you know, launch into any kind of service or product. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that that was integral to me was really just to my success was really making an effort to be in front of people wherever I could spreading my message and making sure that was really clear and giving them opportunities to come back to me so that I had these channels of communication with my people. Um, And then of course, like I said, I totally believe in serving the audience you have. So once you've built the audience if they feel like the right people which if you're doing marketing well they are um then asking them what they want um and or asking them around the thing that you want to sell so that you get really good feedback and are able to create something that works for both of you 
Yeah, it almost becomes a, a way to kind of pre-sell whatever it is. You know, you're kind of seeding it out there, getting the feedback on, like you said, the deliverables, because I think that's a great thing to think about, too, is is it a two-hour masterclass once a month or once a week? Is it, you know, little mini, you know, mini sessions, you know, a couple times a month and um, really understanding what the the right match is. And I also love um, what I've done and I've seen, you know, many others do as well is giving people options within a program. You know, so you have a group program and maybe you have kind of the entry level, you know, to get people in there. And then maybe you have a VIP for those that really want that one on one, you know, touch. So I think that's a good option for people to kind of think about as well. Do you agree with that? Totally. I think um, if it serves you and it serves them, then it's totally worth offering the option, even if nobody takes you up on it. At least, yeah. you know, right. Like then you've got information. But I think you'd be surprised how many people maybe do want something that's a little more high touch alongside these lower end offers. Cause maybe they have that like medium range of mm-hmm. income to, to use there. And so that really does create, you know, a difference for, for you and for them. Yeah, that's awesome. So I know you talk a lot about, you know, really, you know, making a difference for your audience and really helping them to, um, be able to give back. And so I kind of want to transition into, you know, talking about the give back plan, because that is something, you know, I have a huge heart for, and I really feel like, you know, is important to have within your business and in your life, really. And so I know for you coming from a nonprofit uh, background, and we can even share a little bit about our um, kind of connection with that. Um, if, if maybe you could even just talk a little bit about what giving back looks like to you and, um, you know, what draws you to giving back. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit more and, you know, strategically about what that looks like. And so just kind of opening up with that. Yeah. So I believe that stewardship is sort of like a three pronged thing. It's about time, talent and treasure. So I really look for ways to give back in those three areas to, my favorite causes or to people in general. I know that one reason why I felt called to leave my job, which I actually loved. I'm like the one person who like started a business, but really wanted to keep their job. Oh. Too. <laughs> so I actually really, really loved my job. It was a missions organization. It like checked off almost every dream job box that I could have. And, um, and so it was really hard to leave that, but I really felt called to step out because I needed more time flexibility, whether that was for myself and my own sort of like emotional and mental recovery or even just like support as I've sort of navigated this and now settling into a nice place, um, you know, almost a year later. And then even just I feel like there were some ministry opportunities or some people in my life that needed attention um, that I wasn't able to give because I was working full time and had two businesses. Like mm-hmm. that's not a normal thing that people do. So I didn't have, I didn't have weekends. I didn't have mornings. I didn't have lunch hours. I didn't have evenings. Like they were all work in some way. So it became really important and really apparent to me that I needed time to be able to do that. And so, um, so yeah, when I give back, I look at, you know, the, the causes that I'm most passionate about. And then I look at how I can serve in time, talent and treasure those around me, but also those causes that I believe in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like that you bring that up too, that, yeah, if we don't have time to give back and even just to the people that we love beyond, you know, our family, that that's really difficult. So I totally yeah. agree with that. And so what is giving back look like through your business? How have you um, connected and maybe even talking about the organizations that you are supporting right now? Yeah. So 
One of them is actually the organization I used to work for, so East West Ministries, of which Carrie's familiar. Um, so I, um, we support a few missionaries through there, but I also, we give monthly from my business income, but also our personal income, just because we believe very strongly. And like I mentioned before, we're a faith-driven family. So um, the causes that we give back to you tend to be faith-driven as well. And having firsthand seen the impact of this organization and the integrity of the people in it, um, it was really like it, it just was apparent that this was a place that I was still very passionate about. And so giving, um, of our, the money that I make to them specifically. So we give financially right now. I have been on mission trips with them. So I've given my time as well. And I'm hopefully going to, it's on my goals list to go on another one within the next six months so that I, or eight months. Um, so that, you know, I get to reconnect with some of that, which will be really fun. So I'm really looking forward to get out, getting out of the country for a couple of weeks, which will be great. Um, so that's one organization I give to financially. There is one that, um, up here in the Dallas area, we just went through a thing called revive Texas held by, um, an organization called Time to Revive, and it's really was focused on, you know, getting out and having spiritual conversations with people in the Metroplex, because you'd actually be really surprised um, maybe how many people haven't heard about Jesus or haven't heard the truth about Jesus or don't really know much about him. And so, you know, I they held a 50 day campaign um, where it was just, you know, individuals like me who would go out with their tools and just have conversations, love on people, give to people. Um, and then, you know, hopefully get to talk about Jesus as well. But if that didn't happen, that was okay. The main goal is to love on people. Mm. Um, and so I made it um, a goal of mine to go out for a one day every week during that time. So I was really able to actually like go and share the gospel and have conversations and pray for people. Um, and so that was really powerful in a couple of ways for me, not just to experience, um, you know, and, and share what I believe so strongly with people, but also in having to create, you know, space in my business for a day off every week to do that, um, which was challenging, but also really fun, um, especially just getting getting to see the fruit of that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last organization that I I give both time and talent to, or time and treasure to and a little bit of talent as well. I sometimes help them with some marketing things that they work on um, is called Polished. It's an organization that's here in Texas mainly, but they're being invited to other places so they may expand. Um, but it, it reaches young professional women who, um, you know, are trying to navigate career and faith, um, wherever they are in that arena. So I actually work with one of the chapters. I'm a, you know, volunteer leader and then also give financially to them as well. Um, and that's just, you know, I give my time through a luncheon once a month and, you know, being in contact with the volunteers that I'm, over and things like that just to you know help coordinate or pray for or um show up and have again spiritual conversations with people so that's really what practically giving back looks like for me Mm -hmm. in my business right now that's awesome and i thought it was so it's just a small world i guess you know kate and i were talking a couple weeks ago and i I don't even know how we got started on the conversation but i shared with Mm -hmm. her that i was going on a mission trip in the fall and of course she asked me where and as we started talking about it we realized that the trip that I'm going on in November to Nepal is actually with East West Ministries, uh, the organization that she gives to and used to work for. So I thought that was just really a, really a God thing that we yeah. have to connect about that. So um, 
I'll definitely, you know, definitely excited about that. I'm, um, you know, learning more and more about that organization as well and, and the work that they do, which is, is really impactful. So, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, kind of is one of the things that I hear um, pretty often is people not really understanding or knowing how to find an organization that they can either partner with both financially and time-wise. And I like that you brought up that you have multiple organizations because sometimes it is just straight up giving our of our finances. And then sometimes there can be that combination of actually giving back with our time and our talents as well, which which really are two different things. So what would you say to somebody that was looking to find an organization that they could really partner with and, and maybe even what your experience was in connecting with some of these others that you work with? Yeah. Um, so all of these organizations happen to be organizations that are connected to me personally in some way, like a friend or a church member, sometimes both, or my own personal experience with the organization. So I would say like the first thing is maybe even asking around, like who do your friends support and why? What about that, you know, really gets them fired up? Why do they love that organization? What do they know about it? Um, So I think that's definitely part of it. And then even connecting with that organization in some way, So like I said, I happen to have personal connections in all of these. Um, And so I knew the heart of the people. I know the results from the people that I'm hearing. But I think it's really important that you dig in and figure out, you know, what you're comfortable with and what your version of integrity for them looks like. Um, Because there are lots of like, and I can talk a lot about like nonprofit integrity because there's like all these auditing and like percentages and all the stuff that we could get into. Because <laughs> when you were a nonprofit fundraiser, that's what you do. And so um, I think it's really important that you know what that looks like for or what you're comfortable with. Like I would say that the standard would be, you know, the 80% goes to like the ministry or the work and then like 20% goes to the operating expenses of this place. There are some organizations that do that in a different way. So you kind Mm -hmm. of have to, you know, or you look at it like a charity water, right, who, like, raises all the money separately, and then the money that you give goes straight to the water, right, to the wells. And so if that's more of a model that you prefer, I think so you need to sort of ask yourself that. Um, And I'd say the third thing is what are the things that you're passionate about in life? Like, if you love animals, like, find some ways to support animals or – you know, walk dogs at the pound once a week. Like, there's all sorts of opportunities. I think you'd be really surprised by the creative ways that you can give back once you actually start looking for them. So I'd start looking into, you know, what you really love. Um, like I mentioned, for our family, faith is a big part of our lives and it, because it changed us. And so we want to be giving back in that way. And we believe that supporting, you know, that that's one of the main ways that we can help change the world is by, you know, addressing some of the spiritual things um, Mm -hmm. alongside some of the, you know, real physical needs. And so we really made sure that we partner with organizations that help do that in in tangible ways um, and that we believe in the impact that we, you know, know people and trust the people um, and then that we're not afraid to get creative. So I would say, like, once you start figuring out what you're passionate about or like what your friends are sharing, you can even start looking up the organization. Sometimes there's like Sometimes there's like a volunteer page on the thing and you'd be really surprised the different ways that you could volunteer. Like maybe you can even just go in and do some admin work. We used to have mm-hmm. opportunities for that at East West all the time where we'd have somebody, you know, who could come in and do some data entry for us or stuff some envelopes for us because, you know, we were working on some other things. We could do it, but it would be easier. Um, so you'd be surprised some of the, you know, fancy pants people who would be so <laughs> servant hearted and come in and stuff envelopes for us so we could do 
our jobs most effectively, um, you know, with the resources of the ministry that they gave to us. So Mm -hmm. I think it's just kind of digging into yourself and then asking around and then looking for, you know, the ways that you personally want to give back, back, whether that's financially with your time or, you know, asking if they want your consulting around the thing, because sometimes you'd be surprised. They would love to have a leadership consultant come in and do something or, you know, have me come in and, and help with marketing around those things. So you just never know what will happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being open. And I yeah, I think that's such a good recommendation. And one of our other guests talked about that uh, a bit, too, is just reaching out to your community and finding out what they're passionate about. Because what I realized, too, with my community is that some of my um, you know, some of my clients, some of the people in my community actually had their own nonprofits. And so I was able to kind of look into those and start to look at different ways to support them and what they believe in. And then again, like you said, I think really understanding where your passion lies. You know, I really like kids are like that just tugs at my, my heartstrings. So anything related around kids, you know, and definitely, like you said, you know, just going out there and loving on people in whatever form um, works for you, I think is super important. So thank you for sharing that. And um, so you kind of even just touched on a little bit in that last question, but I'd love to just kind of hear with the work that you're doing both in your business and with the ways that you give back, what is that overarching kind of thing that you want to make a change in the world? You know, if you could kind of sprinkle fairy dust over our world today, what would be the thing that you would really want to see um, uh, changed? I think there's just a lot of, I want to see people freed to be who they are, right? Like freed to be who they're created to be. Um, and I think that happens when, you know, when it comes to my giving back, like for me, I think a lot of that originally originates in a spiritual place. Like once we're reconciled in that way and once we, you know, are then able to hear and step into our calling through faith, then we are freer to be who we, who we are and we have divine guidance to do that. But I also see that in my business because I believe that, you know, me helping people do marketing or me doing it for them, you know, frees them to be more of who they want to be. Um, so they don't spend as much time or energy or, um, you know, expending all of that frustration or whatever. It's holding them back in that area because now they have a clear plan or they have somebody who's doing it for them so they can just operate in their place, the place where they serve at highest capacity. So I really feel like that's how my business serves is I want to serve in my highest capacity, which is what I preached and why I've been making all these like little changes along the way. But I also want to do that so that more people are able to do that for themselves. That's beautiful. I love that. And you're definitely showing up in that way to really um, to, to do that. So it's awesome. Um, all right. We're going to transition into the lightning room, room lightning round. I'm just going to ask you a couple of quick questions. Um, just give us your, your uh, off the cuff answer. So what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, it gets better. <laughs> I think in this online space, it's re- like there. Are, and I would even say like, maybe something along mindset matters. That's something that I've really been experiencing a lot of lately as I've been transitioning and going through all these things. It's not that I don't know the strategy. It's that I may not yet be who I need to be to make those things happen for myself or to believe in myself in that. And just to keep going in that direction, whether that is, you know, if I believe that this is the thing that I should be doing, which I do, I just need to keep going. And I know that, um, the results will come. I just mm. need to trust that. So it does get better. It does get more stable. It does get, um, 
it's always exciting and up and down, but you'll, uh, I think just knowing that there's like hope in the future mm-hmm. <laughs> a yeah. makes a big difference. That's awesome. And can you share with us your favorite quote, mantra, or Bible verse? Yeah. So the Bible verse that got me through last year and even it's kind of undergirding a lot of what I am doing now is Second um, Timothy 1, 7. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So just reminding myself um, that, you know, there is fear, but I don't have to live there. I have power, I have love, and I have self-discipline to step forward in the things that he has to me. And the verse before that talks about, like, fanning into flame the gifts that we've been given. Um, And I was like, ooh, that's really good together because he's talking specifically about, like, um, you know, Sometimes we have fear around using our gifts or putting them out or being judged for our gifts, but we really just need to then take hold of the spirit that's in us, the power, the love, and the self-discipline that we have through that and and the understanding that we have of our gifts. And, you know, the more we step in that, the less fear we have, but that fear isn't from the Lord, that fear is, you know, something trying to keep us from serving our purpose. So that's really helped me to kind of stay brave and keep moving forward. Yes, that's a great reminder. Thank you. And what is one of your favorite books or a book that you would recommend to our audience and why? Um, ooh, good question. So a book that I find myself always recommending, it's actually a devotional book called 31 Days of Prayer for the Dreamer and the Doer. So it's for a person who has a business, um, probably a woman. Uh, I don't think it has to be. It's very pink, though. So if you're a guy looking, <laughs> it's a very pink book. So um take that with what you will but it's actually a book of um prayers and then it gives you some bible verses and some devotional thoughts there but it's 31 of them from everything from like comparison to freedom to online influence and social media and all those different things that really just help you um as you're moving forward and all these different things to have a grounded perspective so I recommend it all the time. I'm actually going through it now because in every season of transition, I feel like I get called back to it. And so currently reading it and praying those prayers over my life has really been helpful. Fantastic. And then lastly, what is one thing that you do every day that helps you stay in that forward direction of your mission? Um, I think it's a lot of – I. I recently started journaling again. So really just kind of taking time in the morning to journal, to think about – where I want to go and where I feel like I need to go um, and getting in that good mindset and then making an action plan for the day. So um, I used to try to do that the day before, like make the plan and then it gets the next day and get overwhelmed because something came in overnight that like whatever. And so allowing myself some of that flexibility um, by doing it in the morning rather than the day before um, and then making sure that I take that mindset time to ground myself before I step into that. So there's a little bit more peace and calm around the actions that I need to do. Mm, that's great. Thank you for sharing. Well, Kate, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for, you know, opening up your journey and sharing it with us. I just love how you have such a strong through line of really following your purpose and stepping into your zone of genius, even when it feels a little bit scary. And, um, you know, I just wish you the best of luck. I know this new transition has, um, been exciting and you've got a lot of new things on the horizon and so I'd love for you to share with our audience on where they can get connected with you to follow your journey and to see what you're up to yeah so you can find me on my website it's kateboyd.me 
Um, I'm over on Facebook at, um, I think it's facebook.com slash Kate Boyd Creative. And then Instagram is at Kate Boyd Creative. So you can find me there. Awesome. And we'll make sure we put all that in the show notes so everybody can link up to you. So again, thank you so much for being on the show and we will see everyone next time. So go out there and build your big heart business. Bye y'all. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Big Heart Business Show. If you know someone that could benefit from this information, I would so appreciate it if you shared the love. And make sure to subscribe to this channel and leave a review. One last thing, if you're ready to fuel your Big Heart Business with a consistent flow of cash and clients, head on over to terryshepherd.com forward slash free guest to access a very special video series I created just for you. And don't forget, we are changing the world one big heart business at a time.